<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of Just the Sip. I'm calling this the Quarantine Kiki. And today I have somebody on the show that I kiki with at least every other day. Please welcome from Nightly Pop, Miss Nina Parker. Thank you for having me. Are you ready for this? Oh, honey, I'm ready. But how how deep are we going to go into the kiki? Because are we doing like on the phone kiki, FaceTime kiki, or office kiki? Like what oh, level? Because the FaceTime kiki get a little deep. <laughs> So we'll keep it like on the phone because when we FaceTime, we go, we get real ratchet. And by the way, we're not even trying to do the cute little like, okay, somebody's FaceTiming me. Let me go right. here. It's more of a like, I'm in my bed like this. Yes. yes. Well, no no, no problem is on. Like, yes. Edge out. <laughs> Everything. I got off the phone with you one day and I was like, damn, we should have filmed that. Because we, <laughs> we sat on the phone for two hours. Yeah. Just like kiki and, and letting it all go like two aunties. And I was like, why the hell did we not film that? I know. So I know. today- I feel like that every time we get off the phone, most of it people don't need to hear, but. <laughs> you know, if we let it, we, if we let yeah. all of it out- This and I are very out. comfortable with each other, child. Real comfortable. <laughs> I've seen some <laughs> Justin, you see, you see me like all my boyfriends have seen me, like you see me raw. Bitch, I've seen you raw. Yes. And by the way, look, I know I'm friends with somebody when I answer the phone when I'm on the toilet. Okay. <laughs> we have definitely both been in that position. Like, hold on. <laughs> and I'm I'm like a four-year-old when I'm on the toilet. I have to take all my clothes off. <laughs> so I'm just sitting there just talking, all minding my own business. The feeling, I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> uh, how are you feeling during this quarantine? I'm feeling good. I mean, I feel like, you know, you and I are both quarantining alone. So I think it's like, I was just thinking the other day, I was like, I don't know how people in jail did this. I'm, I'm starting to, I'm starting to feel like I would never commit a crime child because happen to be, and I'm in a house, but I can't imagine like being in like a small four by six cell and not having to do anything all day. And I have, you know, cable and internet and a full stop, fully stocked kitchen and bedrooms, and I'm still going a little nuts. So I can't even imagine. Honey, the only way I will go to jail is if Chris Maloney is still there from Oz, okay? <laughs> but I don't think he in jail no more. He not he working for the SVU, honey. He went back to SVU. It's so funny because it's interesting that I feel like 
I'm finding my body is going into a mild depression mm. and my mind is like fighting it and is telling me, be careful, your body is going through these motions and mm -hmm. you need to like connect with it because it's feeling a certain type of way because I don't know if y'all know this about me, but I'm like Carmen Sandiego. Like if I got two days off, yes. we are going somewhere. Yes. There will be a jet. You there gotta will stand be still a right now. You, it's, it's, your body's not loving this. My, my body is not used to it. My mind knows what's going on because even today I woke up, I couldn't brush my teeth. I couldn't, like, it was like, I couldn't do anything. And I kept yeah. on telling myself, you gotta walk out of this. You yeah. gotta get up and you gotta get this day started. And I think a lot of people, a lot of times, I've been through a depression before. Sometimes your mind doesn't realize what your body is doing mm -hmm. or vice versa. Right. It's connecting the two that really, it could help you get out of it. Well, also I think our body stores our stress. So whatever is going on in our mind, our body is harboring the stress of that. So people Amen. are like, all of a sudden, I've, I've heard a lot of people, especially during quarantine, talk about like all of a sudden their back is hurting or all of a sudden, you know, they're having, um, chest pains at night. And when I say people, I mean me. Um, <laughs> I was like, wait, are we, are we going with a, a friend? A friend. Um, <laughs> you know, but I, I, and you know, what's so funny, like the first like three weeks of quarantine, I kept getting these chest pains and I didn't know what it was. And I was really scared. And I was like, why am I having chest pains? I realized it was anxiety. And yeah. it was like, it wasn't until I dealt with what like my mind was going through that they just completely just went away. But I do feel like our bodies harbor our stress and our shoulders and our backs and, you know, in different ailments and people are getting headaches. And I think it's just attributed to, you know, us coping and how we're, we're coping with this quarantine. So, you know, I do definitely feel like it's correlated in our, our you know, it's this trauma that we're kind of going through that we've never gone through before. So sometimes it's hard to identify. No, for sure. And you know who's dealing with a lot of stress today? Tell me. It's Hannah Brown, girl. Ooh. Girl, let's just get right into it, okay? Let's do it. On Saturday night, Hannah Brown went on IG Live, and at one point, she seemed to be trying to remember the lyrics to the baby's rock star. She begins singing a few lines out loud and seemingly hesitates when she gets to the line that includes the N-word, but she says it anyway. Everybody was in an uproar about it. Um, what did you think about what happened? And do you think that the uproar is justified? Yeah, of course it is. I mean, this is the thing. I went to uh, the E! News Instagram page. That's the first place I saw it. Mm -hmm. I'm not on the Hannah Brown radar. So I'm not, I don't follow her. I'm not a bachelorette, bachelor person. So I don't follow any of them. So I wasn't even on, you know, the radar of what they do. So when I saw it on E! News, you know, and I went into the comments and it's just all of these people defending her and none of the, all of the people defending her, none of them look like me. Yes. There wasn't any person of color that thought that it was okay. The only 100%. people that I saw defending Hannah were people who look like Hannah. And I, and I think that's the problem is that you can't take it upon yourself to speak on what black people need to feel when they get offended about a word that was used to oppress them. And yes. I don't care if it's in every song. The thing, I think there's some kind of ownership that people take because the song is released to the public that that means that it's for them. Yes. Just because a rapper is saying it and it relates to him and his life doesn't mean that you get to impart 
on it just because you feel like, well, it's in the song, so it must be okay to say. It's like when, like, you know that it's not okay as a man to walk down the street and, and call a girl a bitch just because her friend said it to her. One hundo. When I watch the Me Too movement and I see, you know, people understanding that when a woman says no, it means no, you know, understand, listen to women, believe women, and don't question if they say they feel uncomfortable about something. It seems to me that that's not the same respect isn't given when it's a person of color, when it's a black person saying, hey, this is not a word that you should use. It's always a fight. It's always like, well, why can't we? It, it, it just always seems like people want to use it so badly when it's like, it's not for you. I agree with you. And I think the reason why we haven't gotten to that point, it's because we've never as a community or as we never got the Black Caucus together, meaning Oprah, <laughs> Jay-Z, Tyler Perry, Cicely Tyson, to get together and say, all right, we cannot do this anymore. It took a movement, it took a, a protest, it took a whole trending hashtag and a complete movement to get Me Too and stated so that, so that when women said no, it meant no. It took that, I feel like there's just two sides of the fence and we can't come together because some artists are like, you know what? I said it, it's fine, my fans feel me, they rock with me, it's a song. And mm -hmm. some artists are like, no, no, we went through that and I can use it, but you can't use it. So the reason why there's so much back and forth on it is because we haven't, as a world, come to the conclusion that this is not viable and you cannot do this. These, these, like, Hannah's not an infant. Like she's a grown woman. She knows she's not supposed to say that word. She like she knows, and this is the thing, and, and Rachel Lindsay, um, spoke on it and and I, I really appreciate Ooh, she went hard. That, yeah, because I think, you know, one thing I love that she said is like she's like, I, I hate the fact that I'm always the one who has to say something. And I'm like, you know, there's definitely black men in the Bachelor Nation. I don't hear anything from them. I always feel like it's always up to the black woman to go down and go get in front of the line. And it's just it's just exhausting sometimes. And I feel her. She's like, I feel like I'm the only one that always has to speak up. And, you know, there's a very I think I forget the guy's name, but she reached out to him and, and he was quarantining with her. He was a Matt James. Yeah. Like Matt's talking about, well, you know, let's just pray for peace. It's like, no, man, hold your friend accountable. It's cut and dry. It's cut and dry. I've had these conversations with people where they're like, well, why can't I? Why can't I? And it's just that there are so many people that are not used to being told that they can't do something. It's like, welcome to the world of a Black person. Yes. I will say, though, look, growing up in South Louisiana, I was taught at a very young age by someone who I hold dear to my heart. I heard someone say the N-word in a derogatory way one time and this person was like don't react it's wrong but don't react mm -hmm. and then a few months later or a year later as a young child i heard another person say the n-word and the person my you know my uncle laughed and was like ha 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 and just kept it moving and i'm like mm -hmm. why did you laugh at this person and you were pissed off about the other person and he was like some people are just ignorant it doesn't come from hate it doesn't come from fear it comes from years and years of them not knowing better. And sometimes mm -hmm. I pick my reaction based on what he, you know, for him, he was like, I pick my reaction based on, you know, where it's coming from. And you won't be able to educate everybody at one time, right. but I can educate you on, you need to know the difference and you need to know when to pop off and when not. And, to I, pop and off. I also feel like the, I, this guise of like, I didn't know any better is kind of, I'm like, we're in, the, especially, you know, not when you were a kid, but like in, now in 2020, 
you know better. Like I don't I don't believe that people just don't know any better. People are just ignorant. They didn't they didn't know. You have access to so many things. You can get on your Google at 2 a.m. and and look up pretty much everything. There's nothing in you that can tell me that you don't know any better. Like I I just don't buy that argument. Well, if you hesitated before you said the word, that hesitation should have let you know. Also, she believed herself. She censored herself on the F word. So she she was cognizant enough to know there are some things in this I shouldn't say. So why would you bleep yourself with the F word, but not the N word? The funny part about it is I was like, bitch, you should have learned from um, Gina Rodriguez's mistake. Because you remember when Gina Rodriguez yes. was singing A Tribe Called Quest. And, you know, she's Afro-Latina. I'll give her that. And she was feeling it. And she was vibing. And she was singing the Fugees and she was having it. And she she went through that word like it was she Afro-Latina. I don't know about that part. She, she said she Afro-Latina, so I'm gonna let her have it. But she okay. went through that word like it was a preposition, like and da-da-da. And then what happened was she came back with this silly ass, like, oh my God, you guys are freaking out about this right. N-word. I was just singing a song, the Fugees give me life. And she went about it so blase. Yeah. The worst thing a celebrity could do is have to apologize for an apology. Yeah. And it's crazy because she didn't learn that lesson and she literally got back on live and she said, I did, I'm so sorry. Yeah. No, I was singing, I'm so sorry. I don't think, maybe I did, maybe it was Patrick, threw it on her brother's ass um, anyway, and then started laughing. I don't care if I said something on air that offended somebody. Mm-hmm. I don't even care if I said my shirt was gingham and it was right. really plaid. I will say my bad. If that offended you, my bad. Those are not my feelings. Those are yours. Let me apologize. What celebrities do that gets them even more in hot water is they're tone deaf with the apology and they just skate it off like it was just no big deal. They're just so defensive. So you, you know, you're a member of the LGBTQ community. If something was happening and you and I were out together and something offended you, not not that I did it, but say something someone did offended you. Yes. I couldn't even imagine turning to you and saying, well, you shouldn't be offended by that. I'm not, I'm not a member of the community. I'm an ally, but I'm not 100%. I'm not a member of the community. So I can't even fathom telling you in a, in a place where you are facing things that I just don't have to deal with. I can't fathom telling you how you need to process it and why it's okay. I'm seeing hashtag. I stand with Hannah. Hannah ain't been through no oppression. Like Hannah, Hannah's going to be fine. And she can walk down the street and nobody's gonna mess with her and, and shout those things at her. And I think, you know, it's not anybody's job to tell me what to do with, with my pain. Yes. It's not anybody's job. And you don't get to tell people who have been dealing with, with all types of different types of societal oppression what they need to feel. Like that is just the, the complete, like the arrogance of that and the entitlement of being able to tell people that when people don't even wanna be told that they can't go into a store right now. The same people saying I stand with Hannah want the country to be open. Y'all can't, even, y'all can't even get a haircut. So Shots I'm really mad about somebody getting mad about a word for. Like, I don't get that hypocrisy. Shots fired. I mean, I just have to say, after receiving all the backlash from Bachelor Nation, Hannah went on and she said, I owe you all a major apology. There is no excuse and I would not justify what I said. I have read your messages. I've seen the hurt that I have caused. I own it all. And I'm terribly sorry. And I know that whether in public or private, this language is unacceptable. I promise to do better. 
it's moments like these, it's moments like the Gina Rodriguez's, it's moments like all of these incidents that we've had over the years where we come together, we mobilize and we say, this is not right. This mm -hmm. is how the Harvey Weinstein thing started. People and started so banding together. Like, I don't need your 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 uh, apology written on notes. And Rachel Lindsay said the same thing. Rachel basically said, if you can get on camera and you can say this, then you need to get on, you can say this word and get on camera, then you need to get on camera and apologize. Like, you have a platform. <laughs> it's okay to say, I, I don't think Hannah's a racist. I think that she is is completely living in a bubble. And, and I think that she needs to be educated on what's appropriate. And I, you know, I really will say Tyler uh, posted on his Insta story. And what I loved about Tyler, because when I first heard that he was coming to her defense, I was ready to roll my eyes. But I will say I love the way that he handled it. He posted all of Rachel Lindsay's story. Mm. It was like, you know, this is deeper than Hannah. And I think we do need to wrap our arms around Hannah and embrace her and love her. But I also think there's a this is also a teachable moment. He posted all of Rachel's um, Insta story, uh, Instagram TV story, explaining why this was inappropriate, which I loved. And then he also started posting DMs from people who still thought it was okay to use the word and the confusion about it and was like, look, we need to open up this dialogue. And how can you listen if you're too busy talking? And this is a word that has never personally affected you. So I will say that it sounds like she does have people with some common sense around her. I hope that she uh, goes on. I think it would be great for her to go on with, you know, Rachel or at least post something as opposed to this lame written apology. I think, you know, you can't be a coward when you've done something like that. You got to stand 10 toes down and apologize in a real way. Maybe she ain't going nowhere with Rachel Lindsay. She don't want none of that smoke, okay? She ain't going nowhere with that smoke. And I will say this, look, whether you like it or not, and I'm not saying this just for this instance, in my life, if I was brave enough to bring that heat to give you this smoke in public on a public platform, right. I'm gonna give you this apology on a public pa a platform. Percent. And this is the thing, people, of course people were offended that she did it. Like, it was just like, girl, what are you doing? Because the first thing as a, a black woman, if, if I see that you slipped, then I'm like, oh, that's a part of your vocabulary. Like there, there are certain words that even if I slip, they just not, they're not in me. They're not in me to say, right? But yes. okay, we'll, we'll give you the credit and say that it was in a song and you were singing the song and it slipped. But the defensiveness of it all is what really pissed people off. It's just like, you gotta, you gotta hear people when they say it's, there's so many people that, and that's really part of the problem is that, and I'm looking at the commentary between like pundits mm -hmm. right now, people discussing it on TV and nobody's listening to the people who were saying they're offended by it. People just want to defend her without, yeah. and, and it's, and it's just because they're, they're really, if you don't want to listen, then you really innately have no desire what, what black people feel. But I will say, sometimes we're fast in the media to point out the opposition, the minority. So if a lot of people are coming on her ass, we're going to point out the four people who are taken up for her because sometimes we want to villainize them as well. No, yeah, I, I hear that. I mean, I, I think, and especially it's just, you're just, as it comes through, just to defend people who are posting it, as it comes through, you put it up. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a forever changing, um, changing story. But I don't think she's a bad person. You know, I've met her before. Um, I like she's her. Lovely, um, but I do think that this was a misstep. And I do feel like you can call some, and this is what I want people to understand. You can call somebody out for something and 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 help them learn and move forward. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be 
a falling out. It doesn't have to be you hate this person. I can say you're wrong and still like you. Oh, damn. I mean, that's what, that's what, I mean, that to me, I'm like, if I have to like everything you do, celebrity or not, like there's some of my faves who there's things that they do. I'm like, why'd they do that? We yeah. like to be able to have that school of thought and conversation with these celebrities. They have to understand a lot of the problem when they don't want to say I'm wrong is because they're so used to being praised. They're so used like with the Gina yes. Rodriguez thing, she's like beloved. So when she makes a mistake, she doesn't understand how to take that criticism because she's so used to people loving her. But, yeah, but that's everybody. We all, get, I mean, listen, I get defensive. If somebody calls me out of my I get defensive. You know, there yeah, are times where I need to like- a, a place where it's it's not necessarily name calling, where people are genuine. If I genuinely told you, Justin, you wrong for this and not in a way that was bashing you, I don't think you would be defensive. I think you would, oh. I think you would receive it. We, no, no, I would get defensive. We got, <laughs> we've gone there before. We've, we've gone there before. We have gone there before. We yeah. have come at heads with each other. We've gotten defensive and yeah. then we both went back to our corners. And then four hours later, we both texted each other being like, no, I'm just gonna hot wipe. It was me, it was me. Cause you wouldn't, cause you're a Scorpio. I'm a Scorpio and you came at me before I had my apple cider vinegar. You came, bitch. You had that, look, you had that wig laid right. I still had crust in my eyes. It was 7.30 in the morning and you came. You came and I was like, wait, what the f you know I, mean? I had to apologize. You wasn't gonna apologize. We would we, we wouldn't be talking to this day if I didn't say something. Cause you ran up on me. <laughs> I did run up. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> the he who runneth apologizeth. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, let's talk about somebody with more outrage and backlash on social media right now. America's next top model, Tyra Banks, mm. came under fire when resurfaced clips of her criticizing contestants on their appearance from America's Next Top Model made their way across social media 10, 15 years later. Particularly the one of her asking or mocking contestant, Danny Evans, do you really think you can have a CoverGirl contract with a gap in your mouth? Mm. We you know, when we were younger. We hitting home today for me. You, <laughs> How many times did you hear this when you were a kid? Shut your gap to mouth ass up. Yep, yep, all the time. All the time. You know, I feel bad for Tyra in the sense that she went through this whole thing. You know, she had to apologize back in the cut. This was before social media right. was, was a thing. And I think Tyra Banks is one of those extra people who when she's hard, she has to be extra hard and she has to give you exactly how the industry is gonna treat you. Yeah. So I think for Tyra, when you look at her story and you listen to what she went through as a model, a young aspiring model, it's like, you think people are gonna hire you with that ass? You think people are gonna hire you with those boobs? And I think what she was doing was she was taking a part of what she had learned and what she had faced in the industry and she was giving it to these girls. That's why we all watched America's Next Top Model because Tyra's ass was extra. Yeah. And she was going there. The show back in the day. And of course, this was before we were live tweeting and 
you know, the good thing I will say about why I love Twitter so much is it, it really holds people accountable in real time. That's um, why I hate it. You, I mean, I love it because I feel like the direct, if the director's on or the host is on Twitter and you tweet about the show, you can get a reaction from that person in five minutes. Yeah, you know? but this is what the problem is. It's real time. These hoes are, are digging up ancient from 2005. Yeah, but you know what? You, put, you still put it out there. And, and and I looked this up because obviously I tweeted about it. My tweet got a lot of attention. Yes. Um, ended up in a lot of places because obviously her talking about a gap resonated with me. But I remember the watching it on TV. And I was younger. Obviously, I wasn't yes. in the industry yet. Um, and I thought you said in these streets. I thought you said yeah. I wasn't in these streets yet. <laughs> <laughs> both. Both. I was like, uh, you've been in these streets. Both. Um, no, I'm a veteran in these streets, but no, mm. I, I just, I remember watching it and it was discouraging. I'm not going to lie. Like I remember because what the difference with this show was supposed to be, um, that Tyra was giving a platform to women who may not have necessarily been given a chance. So yes. there was a higher number of women of color. There were, you know, the awkward girls, the nerdy girls, like she was really giving a platform to women who may not have been seen normally. So the fact that she, part of the brand was be unique, be yourself, be authentic, be unapologetically you. And then in the next phase of things, she was judging this girl for her gap. I remember watching it before social media and all of that, watching it in real time and being really disappointed. But there wasn't anything for me to do with that energy because back then the only thing you could literally do is like write to the FCC or the network or Tyra. Like yeah. it wasn't a way to express my discontent. But I really remember feeling a way about it and also feeling a way about the show in general. And I really, it did give me, it didn't give me an insecurity because I think there had, I had already been teased as a kid because of it, but it made me think about it in terms of TV. Like, oh, is this going to be a problem for me if I want to pursue, you know, broadcasting? Yeah. It definitely put like a little seed in my head of like, oh, maybe this won't be accepted. And that just, but I still powered on, you know, anyway, because I was like, people gonna get this energy, but what, what if I didn't? I just think it's one of those things where we saw Kevin Hart get backed into a corner by old tweets. We're seeing all these things resurface. I just don't think that you have to continue to apologize for things that you did in the past. Part of growing is moving on and keeping it pop popping. And I like Tyra that she was like, I see it. I am here for it. I apologize again, like I did in the past. But who, and I grew. Isn't, isn't that a part of life? Like, think about it. Like, if you saw somebody from high school and they said, you know, I really apologize about the way that I treated you back then. Like I, you know, I was a, I was, I was dumb, I was insecure, and I and I bullied you. And I feel like it's part of being human to bring up all sh like that's <laughs> as a woman, I'll tell you right now, the part of my DNA <laughs> is to bring up oh keep a folder i keep a folder and i and i I'm, I'm reserved to go back to 2008 and use that folder if there's something that you're doing in your present that conflicts with your past so 100 really mad at that i feel like it's on tv and we're in quarantine people are pulling out stuff like i'm re-watching these clips of tyra's show and she did some crazy stuff i kind of understand why people are coming for her but that's why we love tyra because tyra was petty it's like going back into the vault and watching you know, a, in Living Color are watching um, SNL and we're like, we're offended that SNL did this in 1999. Yeah. It's like, these were the times. This is how these yeah, productions made 
sure. It was different climate. Like we have to really understand that. Now I think got real real when Jay Manuel, the creative director on the series, mm -hmm. opened up about his time on the show. And he didn't usually say nothing. You know, he would right. show up with his silver right. hair. He'd be fabulous. He would be in this Jay. Yeah, he was pretty. He was light skinned. Mm -hmm. um, he told Variety, working on ANTM was amazingly productive and at times magical. But the swapping race episode made him uncomfortable even back then. He also said he was afraid to speak up sometimes to executive producers on the show and creative decisions were not made as a team. See, that's, that's interesting because they always would say, and I, he said this in an interview that he did recently, where to the public, they would say, well, this is made as a team. But he said that it wasn't made as a team. It was tired. I believe him in the he sense that if you're getting a check. Yes. If you're getting a check, and back then it wasn't direct deposit. That shit would have to come in the mail. Okay, so you were waiting for that mail. Direct deposit, stop it. No, they didn't. This is back in the cut. Chase didn't have direct deposit until I was out of college. Okay, and that was like 2010. Oh my God. I think when you're not only a man of color, but also a gay man on television, and you have that kind of spotlight, America's Next Top Modder propelled Jay Manuel and yeah. propelled, you know, Jay Alexander, even though yeah. they were already legends in their own fields, but it took them to the next level. In a, especially in a mainstream space when back then, that's just nothing you saw. That's just nothing you saw. Especially, so, especially Jay Alexander, like they weren't putting anybody like Jay Alexander on mainstream television, primetime TV. No. So everybody's like, why didn't he talk back then? And I'm like, because he didn't have a voice. Right. He just had to. There's a lot of times at work, at jobs, on carpet. You just keep your mouth shut and you a keep it popping. And you wait until like you get to the place where you can say something. And that place is normally when you leave that bitch. Right. And then you can tweet about it or you can write a book about it. But for Jay Manuel, I feel bad because he even talks about being uncomfortable whenever Tyra was saying, you know, this person, you shouldn't be out. Maybe it might, you know, it might hinder your career. And again, I don't think that Tyra was saying it because she had homophobia. I think she was saying it because at the time the industry had homophobia. We yeah, didn't have the Cara Delevingne. opportunity to help open the door wider. And I I think she she picked, I think Tyra got caught up in playing games. Yeah, I think, you know, she had her own talk show. She had, when Tyra was on top, she was on top. Like she was, she was, you know, a force when the show was going on. Like she had, pretty much everything on lockdown, you know, like she was still getting covered. She was modeling. She had America's Next Top Model. She had the Tyra show. Like she was really like a person to um, have a lot Inspiring. of things in this industry. So I can understand, like, I understand both sides. I understand people saying someone should have spoke up and we don't know if behind the scenes someone did in a respectful way, but I can also understand feeling like, hey, I've been given this platform. I don't know. And, you know, when I'm going to be on another show and, you know, there's a lot of people who were saying he should have spoke up who at their jobs, they don't say nothing. No, I say that to everybody all the time. Like, are you speaking up at your job? Because, you know, everybody, you know, everybody's like a hero in their own story. But I feel like there are a lot of times where you have to be selective when you when you talk about that. And I think, you know, Jay has also said that they have no relationship now, which speaks volumes um, you, to have worked together for over like a decade and they have no relationship. I mean, I'll say this. Most moguls are lonely. Most yes. people who are moguls don't have no friends. 
Pyra has said she she remember. I remember reading an article when she was a little younger before she had her child, and she would say that she would be at these jobs with all these people, and she would come home to a house and she would be lonely. When you have to make some of these cutthroat decisions, a lot of people don't want to mess with you, and I think that's uh, something you have to to deal with. So just know, just a sip. When you got this multifaceted platform, it's probably only going to be me talking to you. <laughs> that's all I need. All I need in my life. Is tequila and nah. That's tequila all I need. Because one thing about you and me, we're going to keep it real. Oh, we're going to keep it all the way real. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But, and I think, that's what, you know, for for Jay Manuel, he and Tyra probably didn't talk. They probably had a professional relationship. It was cool on set. The Kikis were great. The promo yeah. shoots were bomb. But when Tyra clocks out and she's not Tyra Banks, where she's just Tyra and she wants yeah. her edges to, to lay out. I don't think you have to be friends with the people that you work for that with. that long of a, a time, you don't think that it's weird that they don't speak anymore after they work together. Mm -hmm. so, like they travel the world together. Like you have to create some type of bond. No, not at all. If I went through the trenches, <laughs> not, not at, at all. all. Let me tell you something right now. You are cold. Me you are cold. No, I'm not, no, I'm not cold. Let me tell you my reasoning. Let me tell you my reasoning. I think when you work with people so closely all the time, and so many people like, oh, you meet all these people on the carpets as guests, as producers, as publicists, as X, Y, and Z. You have to compartmentalize like my work cool work friends and then my friend friends. Yeah. And you can move those people from box to box, but you can't let your friend friend box get full. No, you also I, I hear you on that. And you know, I'm the main one who's always like, just because you work with somebody don't mean they're your friend. They're your friend. And another thing is you can't get close to people who you are disagreeing with and critiquing. And it, you know, for Morgan and I, who have been friends for, you know, nine years before, you know, she got brought onto the show, it was kind of a tough, you know, thing to straddle because yeah. at times I would offend her and at times she would offend me. But then we got to the place where we we're like, okay, when we come on this thing, we're coworkers, we're gonna make this work and it's gonna happen. And there have been times where we haven't been friends and no one knew. Like we were in a friendly spot. Right. And That's a real friends. friendship to me. Like if you you can fall out with somebody and the world doesn't know, that to me, even because this is the thing, real friends will fall out. All but the time. If everybody knows your business, then it wasn't a real friendship to begin with. 100%. I fell out with a really good friend of mine two years ago. We're good now, but the, the people who obviously knew us closely knew that we weren't dealing with each other, but the outside world had no idea that we had fallen out because I still protected that. You know what I mean? Because I'm, I'm one who I really believe, like if you have something that, and we shared something, I'm going to, I'm going to protect it. I'm going to protect you too. Even if I don't deal with you on the regular anymore. No, 100. You and know? for me, it was figuring out because there's a level of respect that you have to have for one another to be able totally. to sit next to one another and keep yes. with one another for yes. an hour straight on live TV. Yes. Um, and obviously we ended up working out our difference, but I think for Tyra and Jay Emanuel, it's easier and cleaner to be like, all right, this is going to be a one night stand. We're not gonna get no feelings involved in this. We're gonna be yep. friends on this set and we're gonna respect each other and we're gonna debate. But outside of that, I just can't. I don't have the yeah. capacity to take on another friend. And when this is over, this is the end of our journey and together. You know, things end, you know what I mean? Um, and, but I will say like when I first came into the industry, the first show I was on, I still am really cool with a lot of those people. Like we don't talk every day, 
but we, we, we keep in contact, you know what I mean? And check in on each other. So I'm just surprised that there's not even a little, like, ain't no check-in, like. That was monumental for you though. That first show was monumental for you. Imagine Tyra Banks had already been on SI. She had already been on SI. She had already been that lead angel, Victoria's Secret. She had already done music videos. She had already done, you know, talk show. She did a talk show at the point. I feel like Top Model, it was such a uh, groundbreaking, it I, even it put her in a different space. Like her, America's yes. Next Top Model got her the talk show. You know what I mean? Like it, it put her, she was doing movies. Like it really put her in this mainstream space. Cause I feel like sometimes models stay in like this bubble of like they're yes. a model, but that's it. They're just a model. And it's rare for them to become model, actress, host. You know, it's a very, because a lot of them can't carry all of those things and she was able to, but I feel like the catalyst for that was top model. So I feel like it was, it had to have been new territory for all of them. Yeah, but you know what? That's how you, that's how you spend That's why she was doing them tricks and stunts because she that's wanted why to she, show. She knew what a show needed. She knew she wasn't going to go there. It's the same thing that Andre Leon Talley and Anna Wintour mm-hmm. are going through. Mm-hmm. Andre Leon Talley thought he and Anna Wintour were real friends. And they were just work friends. Mm-hmm. And that's the are sad part. You, are, you tell me now, because I don't want no surprises. Bitch, you see friend. me on the toilet, okay? We are real. We are family don't at that point. Surprises. If I'm taking a <laughs> and you are on the phone with me, we are friends. Because <laughs> I don't want to come on to your Instagram later and you like, Nina wasn't my real friend. You tell me now. <laughs> no, you're going to get it in the book. I'm going to make you write a forward for the book, and then I'm going to talk <laughs> about you in the book. <laughs> that's what we gonna do that's exactly what we gonna do listen um can we talk about some more famous people in the spotlight let's talk about whatever you want to i have this coffee so now i'm in a good place Ooh, okay um so master p and romeo miller are leaving growing up hip-hop the father yeah. and son duo confirmed the rumors in a new breakfast club interview um he said it isn't going where it used to be at Masterpiece said, we started the show, now it's looking more and more like love and hip hop. It's not about the money, I'm the highest paid on the network. I had to walk away because I can't sell my soul for money, our storyline. It's never worth it for me at the end of the day. It's about my inner peace, my mental health, and my growth. Mm. Now, Masterpiece and Romeo, Romeo actually posted a conversation that he was having with a love and hip hop producer explaining- Sorry, growing up hip hop um, producer explaining all of these things and kind of having, I would say, like a reasonable, you know, conversation with her. Mm -hmm. Um, Shout out to Jennifer Gardner. I've worked with her on Rich Kids of Beverly Hills. Um, Oh, you know the producer that was in the shot. I knew the producer that was in the shot. She was the person who started Morgan's show. Did you have Um, you talked to her? Did you reach out? The producer in question is utmost professional. She is very transparent when it comes to things. She is like a no, where I would want to sugarcoat things. Mm -hmm. She's a very like, and you can see it in the text messages. We need you from eight to nine. We need three beats. You got to have this conversation, this conversation, this conversation. She's very open about what she needs because she understands this business, but she's also, she also gets it. Um, The weird thing about it is, being a producer on reality TV and being in the industry and knowing that Master P and Romeo have had their hands in this for over three or four decades mm-hmm. combined. 
It's funny to me that when they signed up for this, they didn't know or had no inkling that it could turn, it could change, you know, the wave could ride, you know, somewhere else. I just think it's weird that people that have grown up in fame don't realize what reality TV is. Yeah. I mean, I'll say this. I think it's reality TV is a different beast than him rapping and doing concerts and doing videos. And I think reality TV is like um, like a fraternity. Like, I don't think you understand what makes yes. it up until you're in it. So you and I have both loosely dabbled in the reality TV world. I mean, not loosely for you. I mean, you, you've been completely involved in reality shows and produced um, could never be on one. I could never be yeah, on a reality. You've been behind show. the scenes, but you, well, you were, you did make an appearance on Real Housewives this season, though, child. Yeah. Oh, she will show her ass. You, you know, you, so you became a little bit of a meme, but like, I understand what you mean, like fully, fully. But, I and I never. obviously used to host the Love and Hip Hop reunions, but I wasn't involved in the the day to day. I just did the reunions and and got out. But I, I I've dabbled enough to know like how it works, and I will say like it is um. It's kind of like how we were talking about with Tyra. Like they do their stunts, there's tricks. They do these things to like keep people invested in your storyline. Um, what's interesting to me is Romeo and Master P were executive producers on the show. So I'm a little confused as to how executive producers, they, how they, that they took off that hat completely unless they just had it in name and had nothing to do with production. But like if you're on the show and you have an EP credit, like there's a responsibility, I feel like, of knowing what's happening in the ins and outs and getting these agreements. Like it's 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 a little weird to me. But sometimes people just want that EP credit to say they have the EP credit. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, which is so funny. Because... You get paycheck. I mean, you got that EP credit. No, you no. But you get a paycheck. But some yeah. people just want the EP credit to say we have the EP credit. Yeah. And it's so crazy. Angela was on Just a Sip about a month and a half ago Angela and she Simmons? talked about Angela Simmons and she talked about their relationship and the clip was actually used in the growing up hip hop oh, episode. Yes. And oh, part okay. of part of his argument was that he hated the way they spliced and they um, used his relationship with Angela as a storyline. Okay. Here's the jam. When you get on reality TV, you need to understand a few things. Once you say I'm in and you yeah. sign that contract, your it. life as you formerly knows it is up to someone else's discretion. You are on a 42 minute ensemble show. So mm -hmm. yes, if you film something and it's riveting and they get something out of it, you know they're not gonna use that whole thing because it was an hour and a half. Right. We also, they gonna use that two minutes. And you could have and don't wear the same shirt every day because they're gonna use that clip from the, the from the basement in the studio shot that they're gonna use two weeks later yeah. and swear you said it in the studio, even yeah. though the whites were two different colors. That's how it works. And a lot of times you think it's the producer's fault. Sometimes as a producer, a lot of times, 90% of the times, a network comes to you yeah. and they say, yo. We need more of this. This yeah. is what we want. We need to edit back to X, Y, and Z. Producers don't have anything. They it's just layers. get the shots. It's layers. I feel like the Kardashians are probably one of the few reality shows where I feel like they do get a say so. Like I feel like they they're they're such a powerhouse and their show is so popular that they're now in a position, but they weren't when it when the show first started. 
but that's they, the key. When they when the show first started, they they weren't probably weren't happy with a lot of things that they saw. But I think the one reason why the Kardashians, because if you think about it, Kim has been on top for so long. I, and I attribute that to two things. I mean, a lot of things, but the two main things is they never stopped doing the show. Because I think there are some celebrities, like remember when Nene left Real Housewives because she was doing Glee and you still need to have a platform for those people that the day ones and the yes. Kardashians get that more than anybody. And I'm like, if anybody is trying to follow that formula, they need to follow them to a T because I don't care what people say about them. They get it. And also they all think from things from a producer's mind. They don't think about it as talent, even though they're in it. No, but the problem is when you get on a reality show, and I've seen this time and time again, producing reality TV and being in front of the camera, people want to do a reality show for one season, maybe two seasons, and then they want to say, okay, well, I'm going to be the Kim now. I'm Kim. Yeah. I'm Kim. No, no, no. You don't get that from doing two seasons of right. a reality show. Right. It didn't happen what, yesterday. What year did that show start? 2008? That started early when they were still doing clip-ins, girl. I think this is the longest running reality show aside from like Cops. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, as far as a, a, a family reality show, I think it's the longest running one with no end in sight, by the way. It's crazy. This is what I, I like about the Kardashians. They, they'll they tweet, you know, their side of their point of view for, for their lives. But ultimately, they let people come to whatever conclusions they want to come to about them. Romeo sounds like he wants to control how he's being perceived on the show. He's not happy with how things are coming out. And he doesn't want to look a certain way. He's afraid of how it's going to look what people are going to say. They didn't show this. I want to see this. You guys aren't filming that. I think there's got to be a part of you that releases that and lets people draw their own conclusions and you know who you are and use that platform to, and when it gets larger, you'll have more of that control. But I think when you like, it's just like when you and I have done daily pop together and it's like, we can't, we're going to sit there. We're going to be authentic. We're going to give our point of view. Some people going to get it. Some people not. Some people going to love it. Some people going to hate it. I can't control how people view me. I'm, I'm no, gonna, for sure. Otherwise I would go crazy. And I think that's what happens with a lot of these people. Their ego is so involved that they are so paranoid about what people are going to think that it ends up ruining what made it special. And I think that's true for growing up hip hop, especially when you're dealing with rappers who have these huge egos and get afraid to be criticized. 100%. But this is where I think it hits a turn is that when people get into reality TV and you're going to be this personality, if you know the producers are getting crafty, you need to be craftier. Like, I'm telling you right now, every piece of drama that happened on Real Housewives with Lisa Vanderpump happened at Sir. Mm -hmm. She was going to confront Talk a bitch it. at her restaurant, Talk about eating it. one of her lobster salads in front of her rosé at her, at her wine event, you know, with Kyle always at an agency party. You have got to be smarter. If you're going to take this from me, what do I get back in return? I mean, it's just so the people who flourish, and I know Lisa's not on the show now, but she did it for so many years. Kyle obviously is like the queen bee of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. The people who have flourished on these shows, they know how to play this game, baby. And it's like, it's, it's so fascinating for me to watch because it's like, you see some people come on these hit shows and make a lot of money and get a platform and then they leave and you never hear from them again. And then you see some people like Kyle who now has scripted TV shows, a, a, a store, she's flourishing, 
And there's there's bad times that come with it and criticisms that come with it, obviously. But it's like you you really see what hustle is in people with like Lisa Vanderpump to me is a genius. Like I feel like whether you agree with her or not, some of her moves along with like Kim Kardashian, like some of these women, they know how to make something out of nothing. Honey. She was a genius until she wasn't. Well, and I'm, I'm going to say this because I truly had time to think about it. Okay. And from day one, I had this opinion and I sent it to somebody closer to her. And I said, I think you're making a mistake. The thing with Lisa Vanderpump and with Anini Leaks is at some point they think the show can't go, go on without them. And what I love about Kyle, what I love about Lisa Ritter, what I love about some of my favorite reality people is they understand that every dog has his day. So if you're on a show for eight years and you've had eight years of fun and laughter and you've gotten out of everything easy, at some point, the fist is going to come down on you. It's going to be your and turn. It's going to be your turn. Everybody has a turn on reality TV. Everybody has a turn. And you just have to take your turn. You have to accept it and you have to keep it moving. The kitchen got too hot for Lisa Vanderpump and she left midway through a season and she let five other people control her narrative. Yeah. So A, you didn't finish what you started. B, you left halfway through and you let these people, and I'm not saying it was it was wrong of them to control her narrative. That's naturally what we're going to do. If you're not here to tell your story, yeah. we're surely going to tell and assume, and assume and say X, Y, and Z. I wouldn't have been a punk bitch and walked out on that show. I would have been like, yo, this is my show. I started it. You know what? I'm going to I'm going to figure out a way out of it. It's like I feel like with Lisa's situation and it's so crazy we talk about Real Housewives, but I I feel like with, and I have to be honest, I stopped watching that season because I I I personally so Real Housewives of Beverly Hills is my favorite franchise. I like that one over over all of the shows. Real Housewives yes. it's like Beverly Hills, New York, then Atlanta. Like I love Beverly Hills. But I will say that that season that that Lisa left was my least favorite. It just felt gross and icky. And it was like, even for reality TV, I felt like it was going in a direction I just didn't really love. Do you, don't you think that like, especially someone Lisa's age, because I feel like a lot of the fight is in you when you're in your 30s and your 40s. But when you get older and you got all this money, I feel like sometimes it's like, I don't need to deal with this shit. Y'all, I kind of feel like it's bossy to be like, y'all can create whatever narrative you want because I'm about to hop on this private jet and go to this island that I own and y'all can create whatever narrative you want to create. And I still got another show on this network. I didn't feel like she was punking out. I just felt like it just wasn't worth her piece. Had Lisa just stuck it out another month and just said, I don't know how many times I have to say no. Yeah. I didn't do it. If you didn't do it, you didn't do it. Keep yeah. it, keep it pushing. But when you get back into a corner and you can't see your way out and you think you're, you know, and for me, I say this all the time to everybody, I miss her on the show. Like mm -hmm. I miss, you know, when we started this whole process, I do, I miss her. But I also watch the show because it's still a good show yeah. and it doesn't need her. There hasn't but been anybody that's left and I'm gonna be honest, and this is how I feel about reality shows, TV shows in general. There hasn't been a show where somebody's left and I felt like, well, the show is ruined. I think the show will always go on. I think that's a part of the business. And I think if you are ever in a position where you feel like, especially on these reality shows, like, well, they just isn't going to, it's not going to happen without me. You're mistaken. 
And, you know, I think when Nene left Real Housewives, I was really nervous for the franchise. I was like, oh, my gosh, like, this is going to be whack. And that season that she was the first season she was gone was a really good season. And I forgot she wasn't on it. And I was like, oh, this is actually pretty good still. And I loved it that she came back and she still added something. But I don't think there's anybody in reality TV that's irreplaceable. And I've seen that on Love and Hip Hop where people get really big and they think that they don't need the show anymore. And it's just not the case. There's always somebody with a more reckless mouth and more drama in their life that can replace you on these shows and are just as interesting. I never would have thought I'd be interested in Denise Richards' life, but it's lit. It's lit. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to end this quarantine key key with Miss Nina Parker, Nightly Pop, everybody. Y'all need to check this out. And she is at Miss Gossip Girl. If you want the truth and you want to know what to watch, if you want the live tweets. The truth, no Vaseline. <laughs> the truth, no Vaseline. And I can tell when that bitch is a little drunk. So you want to get Sundays at 9 p.m., she get litty. <laughs> I love you, friend. I love you, too. I'll talk to you soon. You guys, thanks for listening. And do not forget to subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. And you can follow me at The Lady Sitter and be sure to come back every week for another pour of your favorite celebrity.